Hey, before we get started, right after this episode ends, don't turn it off when you hear the song that you usually hear because there's a special thing. It's fantasy status. Me and my buddy Crypto Dale are talking about fantasy football and the crypto leagues that we have. I hope you'll listen to it. We got some great partners for it, and it's totally random. Uh, It's two crypto folks talking about fantasy football. We hope you'll enjoy it and subscribe to that podcast, which we'll be doing weekly. And we'll put in, we'll put some little inserts into this podcast as well. Real excited about that. And we got a brand new partner today that I'll tell you about here at the beginning of the show. All right, let's get started. Hello and welcome to LedgerCast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard. I'm here with Josh Olsiewicz. Hey, Josh. Hey, Brian. How's it going? It's going well. Hey, before we even get started, I want to introduce the fact that we have a brand new sponsor that's right you heard me we have a sponsor for the show it's matcha go to ledgerstatus.com slash matcha m-a-t-c-h-a and check it out you know matcha takes advantage of all this deck stuff except it makes it super super easy you can trade curated assets that they have, and it's a really nice interface. And they're an aggregator of all of the pools. So whether it's Uniswap, SushiSwap, or any of these other places, Matcha takes care of that for you, and they offer you fantastic liquidity. And uh, you can ensure that you're buying the right thing rather than all of these individual tokens. They're building a whole bunch of new stuff into it all the time. I'm really excited to have a new partner for the show, Josh. It's Matcha. It's built by the folks of the Zero X Protocol. We're really proud to have them on board. Go to ledgerstatus.com slash matcha. We need you to hit that link to let them know that you came from us. I've been trading on this bad boy, and it's pretty slick, man. Uh, I've really been enjoying it. Great product. Great team. We've been following them for a long time. Thanks for coming on board with us on LedgerCast to the folks at Zero X Protocol and the matcha product in particular. Check out matcha go trade it instead of next time you are tempted to go direct to uniswap see if you can get lower slippage on matcha josh what's up man yeah i uh checked out matcha the other day before any of the sponsorship stuff and they basically stupid proof trading for people oh yeah it's uh i mean especially when i'm trading like wi-fi or or one of the ones where the pools were going nuts and it's like (laughs) Hundreds of millions of dollars of liquidity is changing which place it's at. Matcha really helped me with that. Um, and they kind of show you like, hey, you're getting 35% of this from SushiSwap and another 35% from Uniswap and another from Balancer. And they do all that on the back end. Uh, and they're doing a lot of stuff. I mean, this team, of all of these protocol teams, the Zero X protocol folks have been doing it for a long time. We've been talking about them since uh, 2017. On this and they show. should be the most ready of all of anybody, right? Yeah, for sure. To like do this for sure. I didn't realize Uniswap came out in like 2018. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember trying to listening figure out when to, uh, there was a Laura Shin episode about it, and uh, I remember listening to an interview with the founder of Uniswap when there was no interface for it yet. It was just qu- it was just code, you know, uh, smart mm-hmm. contract and. I found it fascinating back then. We should have gotten in on it back <laughs> back then. I mean, who, uh, with any, like with anything, like you don't expect insane returns on a nothing product at the time, right? Yeah, like it, it was an idea without a network. This, but really, the network is what makes it valuable, right? And the stuff. This is kind of what I missed out on is the stuff that was 
the engine for some of this, you know, your REN BTC, for example, or, you know, getting price quotes, which finally makes sense to me with what Chainlink does. Um, some of the underlying product protocols and stuff, that's what starts to, like, people were understanding then, and that's what kind of led those those fundamental drives in price um, that we, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't connect with. And we missed some of those moves and the degree of importance. And now those are coming to reality. And maybe that's why the link trade is over, as you hinted. Um, the realization of Link's technology is now in the world. Is that a top thing? Sell the, <laughs> sell the, uh, sell the news type of thing. I mean, it just depends if Texas continue to thrive. Which we both want them to. I just don't think they will at the end of the day. See, I think uh, I, because of because again, I said this every podcast. I say this all the time, but it's right now. It's all about regulatory arbitrage. We can list whatever you want. People can trade it from anywhere in the world. Like this is how trading anything should be theoretically, but it's not reality. There's there's this regulatory moat keeping people from listing stuff or getting funding for projects. Whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, I actually, I don't think, uh, I mean, I think DEXs are here to stay now. I think we're seeing the realization of their, how they can be used well. For instance, order books were just not as successful. I mean, our new sponsor, Matcha, they are now going through these liquidity providers rather than their early relayers that they used to do. They were a more traditional order book and stuff. And when you have an order book that doesn't really have liquidity, it just makes it harder versus if you have these liquidity pools that, make the liquidity conversation simpler for your everyday trader to make it kind of the, uh, uh, you know, to use a, a cliche, like a more Robin hood type experience or whatever, you know, just simpler. Oh, it's not a cliche. The more, if you make, if you stupid proof something and it becomes popular, right. I mean, and literally I, everybody's using it. And I think this so. is a blend of that, right? Because the stupid yeah. proofing of it is like, Hey, I want to buy a thousand dollars worth, press this button. The hard part is still like you're using MetaMask and you're using a hardware wallet and things like that. So there's still things that are a challenge. But I think we're going to continue to see uh, evolutions of the DEX to really threaten centralized exchanges. There'll be a role for both, um, like derivatives, for example. I I don't know that deriv- derivatives are going to work well on a DEX for quite some time. But I think it's for just, a lot of people, this path will be the of least resistance. Path. I think this will be the path of least resistance for a while. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, when after this, I took Link out of log because it just helps you see things. <laughs> when you have a move that goes from eight to twenty in you know a, a week or two, the trade is over on Link for now. Like it can have a revenge bump; <gasps> it could go to fifteen dollars. But this is a this is the type of thing you see in a market cycle of something that it 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 went to the moon, guys. Look. February 2019, 45 cents. Um, what was it? Yeah, that's about the lowest I have it on on the Binance chart, but you know, investors got it even less. So, congrats. Like you did you did the thing. You got your 4000% gain if you hodled the whole time. Um now you if 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 I'm a linker I'm selling pumps if it's taking me time to get out, you know, like I'm not, I'm not hanging around for this. Uh, and the trade is moving on. It's moving elsewhere. The rotation game is on to the Wi-Fi's, to the unis. 
the new hotness, the, you know, not the, the latest, the latest Ponzi on the block. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you say Ponzi, sir. I do not. That's fine. I'll, I'll be the heel. I'll happily be the heel. I think it's a question of whether there's value in governance. And, um, you know, we we're debating it a little bit before we started the official recording, but I think there can be value in governance if the governance decisions bring back value to token holders. So on Uniswap, if you provide a percentage of fees, for example, and there's $500 million of volume, what's the math on this, Josh? Let's do a little math. Let's say $500 million. Let's say there's a, what is it? It's a 0.3%, right? So that's 0.003. That's $1.5 million in fees, okay? But what if 10% of that goes to token holders. That's $150,000 in fees that could go to token holders. So now you are presenting value to uni token holders. Now, how does that translate to the value of the coin? Does it give you this price-to-earnings concept that a lot of the DeFi folks are trying to present to these tokens? Maybe. But that's that's something that you can literally put numbers to. And that was hard to do for a long time. Like you talk about fundamentals of a coin and all that kind of stuff. Like it wasn't easy to sign some kind of fundamental valuation from a monetary standpoint. Even in Bitcoin, we talk about things, why we believe it's valuable, but it's not like we're saying here's revenue that you get from holding this sucker. Um, They call that a yield bearing asset. Yeah. It's a yield. It's a yield bearing asset. And, uh, or a, it's a revenue a, a revenue generating asset. That is a pretty novel concept in the world of cryptocurrencies because it's always been value via speculation, right? Due to scarcity well, and network well, value. I mean, we can talk about staking. We can talk about lending. We can talk about yes, but this value. is this is due to a network activity. The activity of trading. Yes. Turns into a fee that goes to token. We're talking holders. about you're talking about revenue share, which yeah, uh, based on my limited knowledge of anything, is also is also a security. I don't care again. Well, I don't care if it's a security, but the regulators somewhere in the world might care. It's a obviously, security. obviously, Coinbase Legal did their due diligence in the twelve hours between <laughs> when Uni was launched and when it ended up on Coinbase, uh, according to the token listing framework or whatever whatever they call it clearly they did the hard work there josh and uh therefore uni cannot be a security it's obviously not centralized in any capacity no matter what percentage is allocated to the team and investors in the uniswap protocol company whatever that means i don't know just saying what do you think yeah, about that what do you think about the coin with the fact that this thing got listed instantly everywhere that's impressive. Pure FOMO, be, right? great organization. What do you think? Well, I thought it was interesting that the centralized exchanges listed the DEX governance token so fast that they couldn't, they were stumbling over themselves. You know, it's like, it's a weird combination of factors because you're sort of incentivizing your your own death if you're promoting a, a, a DEX, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what I thought was the weirdest part. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like know. everybody's at this point. Everyone's just trying to list anything they can to get fees. Like, let's be yeah, real. They don't, a, they don't fee, care. There's a fee race going on right now for sure. They don't care about anything or anyone. All they care about is fees. Ask Coinbase. Ask, ask. ask CZ. Ask OKEX. 
that is the bottom line. If, if you think any exchange cares about you or the community, man, I have a, a governance token to sell you. <laughs> and plenty of people have governance tokens to sell you. We're, we're seeing that, aren't we? I mean... Yeah, and we're going to get more. We're, we're going to get one inch, um, their governance token, yeah. uh, Zapper. Any DEX with half a brain is going to list a, de- a governance token now. Yeah. I talked a little bit about uh, one inch's token and, and Mooniswap in the video that I did about the Uni token. And I think what is interesting about Uniswap is they took the primary thing everybody complained about, you know, the, lo- the, the impermanent loss that you get by pooling because you're losing out on you know, the lack of efficiency being a liquidity provider, you're, you're essentially the least, uh, the least efficient person in the, in the trade, right? The mm-hmm. arbitrageurs and the traders are able to take advantage of the fact that you're just sitting there. So the reward via governance token and whatever else is what's, uh, what makes this work um, for those folks. And now Uniswap took that one thing that everybody said, well, that doesn't work on Uniswap. And they said, oh, well, here we go. There's a token now. <laughs> so, like, does it does it diminish the capacity for these others to succeed? Because Uniswap has the name, the network effects. It's the Bitcoin of, of swaps, you know. It's got all uh, the, it's got all the jams. I don't think so, because everyone's looking for the next best thing. And a week a week from now, when the next governance token gets listed, I think it'll be just as popular the volume will be just as great. It'll be listed just everywhere like it on um, Uni was. So, the, and, so in your mind, you're saying the aggregators are the winners there, like our our new sponsor, Matcha. Like, if if you aggregate the liquidity and you make the trading experience easy, then they're the winner. In this moment, yes. Ask me a month from now, and I might change my tune. But yeah. uh, in this moment, people are just frothing at the froth to get a hold of any the, of this stuff. Frothing at the froth. Yeah, I mean, certainly the valuations, like, you got to be careful. I mean, there's a billion uni tokens, so as uh, they're not all distributed, and some are actually lost, interestingly, because, you know, they sent 400 to anybody, any wallet that's interacted with um, uniswap.org. So if you've, inter- if you've made a trade on the Uniswap exchange, you have 400 tokens in some wallet. So if you don't know that, you should go check. <laughs> uh, we'll put the link to the blog post in the in the show notes and then you can go and and connect your wallet to the right site and check all that out i think half of them have been claimed already which is really quick um but anyway so they're a billion tokens overall but it's a four-year schedule for a lot of them so the um circulating supply is what a hundred million almost so about 10 percent of this thing is circulating so it looks like the market cap is maybe 700 million dollars <throat> when in reality for the fully distributed market cap it's over seven billion dollars and if you equate that to the f- complete supply of binance i think theirs is like five billion dollars right now so uniswap fully fully distributed um is larger than binance already <laughs> so maybe it's a little oh. high right now but binance isn't a governance token it's, right? n- it's not and i think actually there is a case for uh, the winning decentralized trading protocol to actually singularly be more valuable than any any centralized exchange, I think. Um, this reminds me of the conversation with ZRX for years, which was uh, anybody who disagrees with the decision on ZRX is just going to fork it. Fork it and- or not use it, whatever. 
And I think that was some of the issue with ZRX's token valuation back in the day anyway, was uh, trying to determine like what what did a relayer need ZRX for? So they've been having to figure all that stuff out. It's like, what is the token going to be used for? What is the value of governance? And a lot of those conversations are being repeated now. Like, And we'll find out if there was value or not. But I think when you consider some of the fees and rewards and things that can be reallocated to token holders, uh, that certainly makes it a more interesting conversation than when it was just like the ability to use our code to launch your relayer or something like that, you know? Yeah, I like how the token came after the network effect. I think that was ZRX's mistake if among many, but specifically that, like to create the network, at least show that people are using it um, because then there's this like continuous effect like we're seeing now where all these people are on Uniswap, they drop a token. People who aren't on Uniswap want to get on Uniswap. People who don't have the token want to get the token. They think it's valuable, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like it, it, it doesn't end, right? It just keeps going and going and going <laughs> until it explodes. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it has to just outright explode, although we have seen some of these tokens so far. Like if we look at Cream, for example, which I can pull up, but um, I mean, some of these have Eiffel Towered big time. Yeah, and I guess it, uh, I agree, it doesn't have to explode. But if it doesn't explode, that would be surprising. If everything doesn't kind of connect the dots in terms of how it all works out, then it can get really ugly really quickly. And I think what we ran into so far, like on Cream, their products are pretty cool. You know, they've got these lending products and they've got the stuff that you can do. But the inflation that is, sta- that is why where these like really large APYs came from, the inflation was so extreme that uh once once it broke down it was just game over i mean this thing from top to bottom went down 80 percent. it's still down 73 percent. so like trying to determine okay well what is the value of the token that i'm being rewarded here that that's that's the hard question so like i think we're you know we had this time chris bernisk or whatever his name is like he did this these like here's how we here's how we establish uh what, what were those protocol, fat protocol thesis and fat protocol valuations? And we're going to have to do some of that stuff again is try to say like, okay, what is the, what is the fundamental thesis for a token value today in this, in this world where we're trying to make governance work again and the things that you can do through governance, whether it's lending and borrowing and how to, how the fees are paid for that. And, uh, you know, rewarding liquidity providers and fueling fees back to them and, this kind of stuff to say is that uh, what what can be done there? What can how do, how do we value it? And right now, like you said, you don't like trading these new tokens, but brand new tokens, and we're seeing things go fifteen dollars to three hundred dollars and back again, makes for uh, exciting trading, but potentially devastating if you're approaching it as a you know buy and hold, and depending on where you made the buy, it could be pretty nasty. Yeah, and I think. For me, like a governance token doesn't have value until there's a dispute and there's to a skin in the game works. and then it's sorted out. Like that's where the governance is valuable. Like if we're talking about SegWit and, and uh, the user activated soft fork, like to me, that's when the network became valuable because there was a clear example of a dispute that, that was settled, you know? Yeah. Uh, so like the Uniswap stuff, 
sushi swap is just the fork of Uniswap, right? Yep. So, you know, I you'd expect to see more forks of of Uniswap, and if a competitor does something better or is able to create a bigger network effect, which probably won't happen, but if that happens, like, shouldn't Uni just be worth zero at that point? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I think the network effects are important depending on how important it is to interface with the network. Uh, you know, in the chat, they're talking about people made these arguments about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a brand and the network value is in large part associated due to the brand. The Bitcoin code has been forked hundreds or thousands of times. The network effects of people using the Bitcoin version because it's Bitcoin is what's valuable. The question is, will that be a thing with sushi and, and uni and, and elsewhere? Like, Will people only provide liquidity on the Uniswap one because of a certain reason, you know, like because of the way the token valuations come back and the way the metrics work, the way the rewards work, the the legitimacy of the governance system, the fair distribution of the coins? Um, how does all that play into one being valuable versus the other? Or will liquidity constantly be jumping back and forth between them based on whoever can squeeze out the greatest reward and, just, you know, squeeze as much value as they can and then peace out. And then you constantly, I feel like would have these kind of Eiffel tower situations, right? Yeah. I mean, people at the end of the day, people could care less about governance as long as they're getting paid. Right. So as long as the rev share is there, then what, what do I care? What the, what the (laughs) DEX does, right? Uh, Unless there's some way to sustain it over time, you know, like, and maybe that's what will happen too, is their governance will include like time locking it for, you know, right now they say time block, time locked value or time value locked. What's it called? TVL. TVL. Yeah. Um, well, what if they, one of the governance mechanisms is, Hey, you have to leave your liquidity there for 30 days. How's that adjust the volatility of the liquidity and the, and the coin itself, you know, like some of that would be, uh, tough for, for some of these people that are trying to pull, pull coins and jump from one to the other and, you're making a decision to do it for 30 days. Yeah, but I just thought, like, there's no greater good here for me. It's just, like, completely selfish of everything. Like, if I'm a holder of this stuff, all I care about is trying to increase the value or use for the governance token. I could, at the end of the day, if it destroys, like, something for a user, like, what do I care, right? I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe I'm too pessimistic. Maybe you're not realistic enough. I don't know. Somewhere in between. Yeah, maybe somewhere uh, in between. We'll find out, right? What we do know right now is that uh, corn is looking heavy, aligning with stocks. Um, Bitcoin down to ten eight right now. We topped out this week at eleven k. Um, do you think this was just a bearish retest? It certainly could be. You could make the you could make the case. Just draw a line at eleven thousand one hundred dollars, and it looks like we just tapped the underside of a, of a breakdown, right? You know what I was saying this week on uh, the Twitter. <clears throat> sorry was uh we're still in the cloud as far as like when the trades i'm looking at mm-hmm. um oh i want to pull your chart up for this so until we're cleanly cleanly above or below the cloud like cloud rules state that we could just go anywhere at this point but until a decision is made uh up or down i'm expecting up but it could be down uh then you're not really safe in either direction just that's just cloud rules 
We called yeah. 101. We have not gotten the TK cross in a bullish manner, which you wouldn't expect to occur until we clear that top circle, which was, what price is that where you're guesstimating we'd actually get that confirmation? So 10.8 to 11.2. Like, so the TK cross is bullish right now, but it will go bearish if we go lower. Um, what I want to happen is price to go above cloud, then the TK cross to go bullish again. Yeah, you want some. You want there to be some uh, space separation between the Tinkin and Kijin there. Yeah, clean confluence, clean entry. It's just stupid simple, stupid proof it. Like Matcha, our sponsor. <laughs> just stupid proof the entry because yeah. at that point, then it's just the easy easy mode. In addition um, to the Tinkin and the Kijin being close, the cloud is narrowed, the price is right at all that stuff. So we're basically in junk territory of indecision in your mind. Yeah. And the other thing I was looking at too is this volume keeps uh, declining, at least yeah. on stamp. I don't know how it looks elsewhere, but uh, it's, I think it's pretty similar across the board. I'm looking at a couple of derivatives charts that are similar. And some of this is related to what's going on with uni and other stuff right now as well. The volume on BTC, but um, yeah, if all the activity is on hyped up altcoins, then the you know Bitcoin sideways is more likely because people are. As long as it doesn't break down, they're just kind of it, it, they're they're in and out of Bitcoin in other trades. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you put a harmonic on there. Are you going to talk about that or not? I mean, it was from the other day. I I don't I don't know. I don't really understand. I'm harmonics not. Too I'm much, not in love with it. <laughs> no. Uh, so ETH ETH is the same thing to me. Like it's just ranging. I think it needs time. Yeah, I agree. I think. Uh, I don't think anything is going to just have this speedy breakdown. We can even lump legacy in, in with that. I think there's so much um, st- so much ability to buy the dip, and then there's on the, on the crypto side, there's so much general excitement for the market that I think that the likelihood is we just kind of carry on sideways and let long-term moving averages catch up a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we have a billion locked, billion USD locked in WBTC. Yeah, I want to talk about that. That's a fun topic. Uh, by the way, we got a correction in the chat by MHA Telex. Total value locked. I wanted to say time, but it's total value locked on these coins. So if we go to DeFi Pulse and we look at what's locked where, WBTC is number five on the list, $774 million uh, locked up in USD. Um. I've seen different Bitcoiner folks and others, you know, take issue with this. Some saying like, it's just, people are just putting their Bitcoin at risk or uh, various arguments. What are your, what are your thoughts on this? I have a couple, but I want yours. And of course you're putting stuff at risk anytime you put it in a smart contract. But if you're putting it somewhere to use it somewhere else, which is what they're doing, either for yields or, you know, yield bearing asset, basically they're turning BTC into a yield bearing asset. That's, that's my read on it. Yeah. I think it, it's also, it's someone signaling, hey, I want to participate in this ecosystem, but I I want my value in Bitcoin whenever possible. So it feels to me, not that not that it's a cheap layer two, but it's almost like a, similar to a, a Lightning Network concept where uh, instead of with Lightning, it's more like we're doing it for convenience or speed or something. With Ethereum, we're doing it for activity purposes because there's activity occurring over here. And it just kind of reiterates to me that gold is the 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 main 
it's like the vault, you know, or not gold. I said gold. It's like Bitcoin is like the vault. It's where your value exists. And when you need access to that value to put to work somewhere, WPTC, WBTC or RENBTC, those are avenues to do so. I don't yeah, f- I, I personally don't see anything wrong with that. Like, if you don't like it, just don't participate. Just don't don't you know? do it. Yeah, you know, keep, like, keep your Bitcoin you can, where it is. You can tell people it's risky. You can tell people it's stupid. But at the end of the day, what do you care, right? Like, yeah. So, like, the, the Bitcoins get locked forever. Great. Your Bitcoin value goes up, you know? It's right. Like, what's the risk here? The risk is that it gets hacked and everybody loses everything so these are because these wbtc in particular these are i don't know the details for ren btc but wbtc is essentially uh collateralized by bitco right i'm not sure if, i don't know how yeah, i'm pretty sure involved. i'm pretty sure it's bitco that's uh essentially providing the custody for wbtc um which isn't too different from if you have other custody solutions, you know, like you're trusting them somewhere. In this case, though, you're there's this automated component of it, right? Where you're yeah, instead of a service like BitGo, you're yeah, you don't you don't call code. somebody to you know manage your custodianship and have a contract or whatever else you do with if you're a normal BitGo customer, you're just like hollering at a smart contract and saying, "Here we go." <laughs> so yeah, if there's risk in that, I'm sure that thing's been audited like crazy and. Honestly, if somebody was going to hack all this stuff, um, the big ones, this is their time, right? Oh, for sure. But it's probably easier to hack this new stuff, which we're seeing, you know, the BZRX or BZK, whatever it is. Um, Don't make me rant. <laughs> that stuff, uh, I just feel like that's easier to, to if you're going to attack something, right? Like that's way easier to do. Yeah, I think we've had, there are certain players that are being more irresponsible than others. Um, I was... I was excited about BZRX and their activities have made me uh, not excited. And so when I talked earlier about it, I don't think margin trading is there yet. Like that's because they were the most interesting from a margin trading perspective, but they've been hacked two or three times and their responses are horrible uh, to it all. Like, and now we're hack, is hack the right word or is just like sloppy code a problem? No, they were, they were, uh, cause like they're, it's like a minting bug that's happening, right? They were, yeah, but they, the coins were actually uh, stolen and they recovered the coins this most recent time because they doxed the guy that, or person that stole them and, uh, and chased them down and threatened them uh, with legal action, I guess. And the person returned the coins. This is as far as I could understand from the whole story. But gotcha. uh, they banned me from their Telegram for asking questions. And I think their PR was an absolute disaster. Always a good sign. Yeah, banned for asking questions. And I, I wasn't like being disrespectful. I was trying to make clarity out of rumors that were out there because their tweets and stuff were just like funds recovered, funds safe. And I'm like, no, like that's not the story. And CoinDesk and others reported about that. It's like that's not what happened. And the way they handled it was piss poor. And uh, their token is is being valued accordingly because I don't. I had I was a customer of theirs. I was using it. I had uh, supplied, I had lent BZRX and, and I'd even borrowed funds there to ch- like test it out and try it. And then to be like concerned about their protocol and banned from Telegram when you're trying to get answers, screw them, you know, like that is not the way you handle it. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, so, yes, there's some low hanging fruit from the hack stuff, but 
you just, I just, my thing is just like, I will not trust those protocols. And therefore the valuation of those tokens is inherently lower in my eyes at a minimum. And I imagine the market is going to, you know, uh, give those tokens a piece of their mind as well, which, which they're doing. I agree. I agree. I agree with all points, all points. I agree with, uh, have the ETH fees affected you at all? Uh, they are very expensive. Um, I know you, you, you'd mentioned an interesting point that the, uh, 400 uni sellers can't really make a profit because of fees right now or something. Well, they could profit, but it would take a lot of time potentially to claim them. Like I knew smart people. Uh, what's that? What's the ETH fees website? Um, I'm just about to pull it up. Okay. Um, ETH gas station. Oh, that, yeah, that's one of them. Um, so when this launched, people trying to claim their uni, they jumped uh, fees by like two or three X and people that used like normal speed or something and, and MetaMask and then it quickly changed the time frame. People's claims are going to take like 12 hours or more if they don't know how to uh, adjust their speeds or, or cancel it and try again. And, you know, there's just a bunch of pending transactions. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, had a part to do with it in the end. I mean, you're getting like 1200 bucks as of yesterday's price. As of today's price, this is like $2,000 worth of free airdrop or whatever. And, uh, you can, you know, you can justify spending 40 bucks on an Ethereum transaction to dump that. But on a general basis, that's still an insane fee, right? Like you're spending $40 to transact on the Ethereum network. That's crazy. If it's not, yeah, but it's like the difference is it's negligible, right? Like if you, if you, if you got sent your, your $1,200, you know, UBI check and had to pay $40 to deposit it, you know, you still would. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> that isn't going to stop you. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's going to give still, you some pause. It's going to make you pause, upset, a little salt, but, but overall you'll, you'll manage. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting that ETH transactions per day actually hit a, a new all time high. Yeah. Yesterday, um, which is a bullish divergence for price because if network activity is insane, price should increase. Yeah. In my mind. Um, yeah. I mean, activity is bullish. And for sure, there gets a point where it becomes difficult for people to manage on it, but the activity is still bullish. And, you know, you airdrop, it was 250,000 uni addresses, people that had interacted with Uniswap exchange plus 49,000 liquidity pool providers. So let's say 300,000 addresses that all got dropped uh, four figures worth of U.S. dollars, larger than the U.S. government stimulus checks. <laughs> so yeah. if that doesn't spur some activity on the network, I don't know what will. Um, right now, the the way ETH gas station declares it is 414 GUE. Is it GUE? Is that how we pronounce it? Uh, I know you're talking about, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Vitalik's, um, the, that's the trader speed. So if you need to go fast, it's 414. I think I use like 650, uh, GUI, 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 we're getting recommendations on our pronunciation here. Uh, I use 650 to get mine. Um, high IQ whale in the chat said they use a thousand, uh, to get theirs. If you use, but when it's slow for people that aren't interacting on this stuff, you can use like sixty or eighty. So that's how that's how much it can it can change based on the the network uh, speed or lack thereof. So 
I mean, that's obviously not ideal for a place you're going to trade. And honestly, I think if ETH 2.0 can't do it, and that's where I want to shift this chat to maybe, uh, if scalability is not looking realistic for the Ethereum network on layer one, surely either layer two is going to take over or somebody will build a good enough bridge. Maybe it's like Serum from FTX, you know, the uh, Solana stuff. Somebody's going to build a good enough bridge to actually move the activity somewhere where it's affordable, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter much. As long as it can interact and it's like interoperable with with stuff, um, that's another issue. Like if you create a moat and you want people to stay in your moat, but you also want other people to visit from other places, right? So like someone's talking about Binance Smart Chain. I don't know how interoperable all that stuff is. Yeah, I don't either. Like Tether. So Tether, you can put Tether anywhere, right? So Tether is exploding, right? Like that's yeah. what, that's the kind of thing you want to but see. They are, they're different tethers on different chains. Um, right. And I, actually I do know somewhat in terms of the like Binance smart change operability, moving your code to like, let's say I was running my DAP on, on Ethereum. Now I want to run it on Binance smart chain. That's easy, but you still have to get the users over there. Right. So you need to make right. the process of a user saying, Oh, I'm going to go buy something over there. I only have Ethereum. You need to make them be able to say here, get, here's my Ethereum then now let me do my your thing on Binance Smart Chain or anywhere else with the Ethereum virtual machine or EVM. It's kind of your keyword there. Um, that's going to be able to run the same code or similar code um, and, and quickly translate their DAP from Ethereum to something that can, you know, run uh, Solidity and, and, you know, use an Ethereum virtual machine is what all those chains do. That's what Binance Smart Chain does. Right. So if I'm a user, like, I don't care at the end of the day, right, which chain it is. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, as long as it's easy to get back right. and forth. Like the, again, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm bringing this up just because we're, we're talking about, but if you, if you stupid-proof trading like Matcha, like, users don't care, you know? Like, that's what, I, as a user, I want to see. I want to see ease of use, ease of access. You know, like MetaMask. MetaMask can talk to anything. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you have to set it up. Like, it's not stupid proof is a strong word because, you know, people have to, they have to work at it <laughs> to get it, to make it function the way they want. Um, it's not 100% stupid proof, but it's not, it's not impossible. I it, okay, I'll th- I think it's intuitive. Yeah. It's not obvious, but it's intuitive to people who have any sort of digital anything. Yeah, I think that is a perfectly fair statement. And um, I don't know, I don't know if that'll come to fruition or if people will just put up with it or if they'll just, what's happened so far is I've noticed people are just slow down. You know, it's like, okay, this stuff's interesting, but no, (laughs) you know, I'm I'm not going to spend $80 to make this transaction especially people that are like, I want to buy something with one ETH, you know, or something like that. It's like, you're literally, you need to make 20% to break even one way. It's kind of dumb. Well, that's been me with, uh, talking about fees again with uphold and bat. Like, so bat sends us like five to 20 bucks every month for just, uh, through whatever, you know, people watching your videos on YouTube and stuff. Right. And so like, 
at the end of the day, it's not going to make or break me if I never reclaim that. But just the fact that the fees are so high in ETH right now that Uphold stopped subsidizing it. So now you, the like cost to remove your bat from Uphold is basically the cost of what you receive in a single transaction. So it's just it's just funny. And Coinbase also said that they're adding fees to their transactions. Yeah. Which is fine, but it's the way they said it on Twitter that was just so awkward and PR driven <laughs> garbage. Like it's like we're proud to proud to announce that we're gonna charge you your Ethereum network fees now. It's just like what do they think people are gonna are people that stupid where they're like, Yeah, this is great? No, of course not. No matter how you say it to them. Not to mention from a pure time frame, like timing perspective, it's like this is when you want people on your platform and you're telling them uh, no. Um, I don't don't get it. They didn't put like a a ceiling on it either. So it's like, you know, you think if someone's sending a large amount, they would decrease the fee or whatever. I don't know. Like whatever. Uh, But yeah, it's just super weird. Everything about that is weird. Like I get it from a business perspective standpoint, but. Yeah. I mean. I completely agree with you. I it, I don't know what to say about Coinbase. I think they might have they might have some of the worst PR in the business. I haven't used Coinbase for months at this point, and I'm glad I left months ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're interesting to me. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I don't. Uh, Josh, this Uni short squeeze is on right now. Like it is insane. So oh, I didn't even look. How's like sushi doing and all the other tokens? Uh, I think funds are essentially moving out of those because of how insane. What's the, what's the uni sushi ratio look like? <laughs> uh, we'd have to look that up, but or uni sushi if you don't want to be uh, food centric about it. I mean, uni is pressing eight dollars here, and I'm sadder by the minute uh, for my spot position. But that's okay. Uh, yeah, another another loser in all this is Tezos, which oh, Tezos is like squashed. the least shiny rock among them because nothing's really going on with Tezos. Yeah, well, I think you know, we can talk about we talk about Link and like the rotation trade, but Tezos is like the uh, the uh, I don't know some metaphor that's appropriate, but um, man, it's just getting hammered. Yeah, it is for, for sure. For really no reason, like specifically, other than just like it's not where the party's happening right now, you know? Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is they are there for dApps, and the only dApp that anyone cares about right now is trading Ethereum tokens. So that sucks for Tezos people, you know? Um, yeah, but if you would have told me like six to 12 months ago that staking wasn't a good enough incentive for people to hold on to the token excuse me, and that there'd be something greater going on, I would have said you're crazy. But like staking is another way for people to just hold on to coins and remove supply from order books, remove sell side, that sort of thing. But if if, <laughs> if you're upstairs and there's a party going on downstairs, you want to go to that party, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think they even made some announcements about their uh, whatever, they're going to defy themselves. You got this Tezos chart up. I mean, that looks nothing like the rest of this ecosystem, does it? No, it doesn't. Not at all. It's been kind of straight down. It hit that target fit nearly 50% down. Um, it hit like some weird cup and handle target that I had drawn, and it just got heavily rejected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't have the answer for those folks. I mean, they have tons of money 
tons of developers and they're building empty cathedrals like we've mentioned many times. I think we even had an episode about it um, because unless you can draw the activity there, then you can have a super scalable chain that nobody's on, you know, like tons of blocks with nothing in there. Like EOS. Yeah. And, you know, it's so at least ADA like revisited highs, but EOS hasn't revisited highs. I don't think ADA has either. Although it exploded kind of unlike everything else. Oh, I guess it has. Um, but the ADA BTC chart looks like devastation. I mean, that is... Uh, yeah, how did they ever get back to the, you know, like what they priced in from a potential perspective back in like, the hype? Like, look at this. Again, another like 40 to 50% down from highs just over the past few weeks. And to me, this is all people just selling their staked coins. At least that's what I'd be doing. Yeah, probably what, so. What, what do and I know? people that are just, you're looking at it from a pure opportunity cost standpoint and saying like, well... <laughs> why am I in this when there's this other stuff going on, you know? Yeah, I agree. Stuff that's a lot shinier. Although it's Ponzi adjacent or Ponzi approved. <laughs> yeah. Joe Schmo doesn't care, you know? Yeah. I think that we have st- all, despite all of this stuff, we're still not seeing like, you're not getting phone calls from friends about crypto yet. Are you? Like, uh, I actually am. Are yeah. you? <laughs> wow. For probably the past two weeks. Um, see, I'm not getting much of that kind of thing yet. Um, whereas my family does talk about stocks when they get together and that's the first time that's happened in a long time. Um, so there's a lot of top things maybe in the broader market, but I'm not getting like crypto top things. I don't think, I think retail got so burned in 2017, 2018 that it's going to take something serious to get them intrigued enough to come back in. You mean the uh, UBI airdrop? The uni UBI wasn't enough. Well, they didn't get that. You know, they just maybe they'll hear about it, like this type of activity, type of thing that could get out there. I just saw Sang Luki, uh, who he keeps an eye on crypto, but he's more of a legacy trader, and he just was tweeting like, "I want the 50x uni short." <laughs> so he's seeing it from a price perspective. How could you not when something goes up a hundred something percent in 24 hours? Yeah, the fact that it got listed everywhere too, and it's still increasing. Yeah, super interesting. Got listed. It's up two hundred and thirty-five percent off of whatever the local low was after it got listed. If you bought it at two thirty, um, I mean, this is tough to ignore. Do you think that uh, Uniswap's going to be acquired by somebody? Uh, <laughs> you know, if Coinbase or someone like that with enough money to do it was smart, then I think they, the underlying company, should be. My question is, why would they need to be? Right. Well, that was my next point. Like, what is actually acquirable besides the network? And is it really, I mean, they have a lot of money now, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, it's locked for a while, but at at this t- valuation, at this network usage, all that kind of stuff, they can raise as much money as they want on the premise that the equity of the company that builds out that protocol is going to be valuable for a long time. Yeah. I just think it's, I think it's going to get real messy. Yeah, uh, the, dude, this is full short squeeze situation going on right now. Like I'm looking at the open interest on derivatives. People are, I think they're hedging their pooling, and they didn't expect this because the uh, let's see, the open interest is about 
$35 million between Binance and FTX derivatives, at least on these top pairs that uh, CoinGecko is showing. It may be more than that. And the funding is uh, about 1%. So, oops. <laughs> Paying longs are being, you're being paid to long this right now. <laughs> so, so many people are hedging it short, probably because they're pooling. Uh, that was, what was it? 300 million average between four pools. So there's a billion dollars, let's say, pooling this. Um, and people are hedging this current valuation for uni and it just keeps going up because the, the difference between FTX's price and Binance's price right now is like 30 cents, which is 30 cents on 780. That's like several percentage points, you know? Yeah. So there's massive amounts of selling occurring, people trying to lock it in. So they're either going to have to pull in a whole bunch of collateral to lock in these high prices, or they're going to have to uh, uh, capitulate. Either way, this is just a parabolic launch day short squeeze from heaven if you're long. Like, this is life-changing. Like, say you're in a, a, a small economy country, like you're just wilding out right now. Yeah. I mean, I saw people from the U S saying like they're getting decent sized houses airdropped to them, but I, I agree with you. Like people in uh, like sub-Saharan Africa or anywhere, you know, who just happen to be providing liquidity on Uniswap. I don't know how many of those people exist, but if they do like, wow, just uh, definitely life-changing. Yeah, for real. I mean, I think that component of it, I, I'm always going to root for that, you know? Oh, for sure. Uh, and, you know, something else that DEXs, the pressure of DEXs now will do to centralized exchanges is hopefully improve user experience, improve UI, improve uh, just everything in general. Yeah. Ideally, that's that's what we see happen out of this, if nothing else. Yeah, they're going to have to make a compelling reason to trade there instead of on a, on a DEX. All right, Josh, I think we should leave it there. We This was the Uniswap episode. Uh if yeah, we'll be on the Twitch stream for a minute here to answer some questions. Um, if y'all uh, want to follow along with things that we're doing, Josh and I have both been putting out tons of stuff on YouTube. Um, I begged the people to subscribe today to get me over 4,000 subscribers. Uh, and we did it, but you know what? I want, I want subscriber price action to mirror uni price action. So <laughs> Let's go for 10,000 subscribers. What do you say? And then Carpe Noctum on YouTube as well. The place to go. Josh has you covered with some outstanding content. And uh, I want to say thank you again to our brand new sponsor, Matcha. Go to ledgerstatus.com slash matcha. That's match A, M-A-T-C-H-A. Ledgerstatus.com slash matcha to check out uh, everything that they offer, which is, as Josh mentioned, stupid proofing, decentralized trading with high liquidity, aggregated markets. So you don't have to know what which swap is the king swap for that coin. You just go there, you buy, you do your thing. It works really well. I've been using it. Thanks so much to Matcha for hopping on board as our partner. With that, we will talk to everybody next time thanks for being here subscribe rate us itunes all the good stuff see you later monuments crumble in the blink of an eye the easy
run dry In a house of cards I feel the breeze Wound so tight I can barely Fantasy Status, a fun fantasy football podcast between friends. Go to FantasyStatus.com to check out all the information about these leagues that we're talking about and to check out all our great sponsors. Let's get straight to the podcast. I've got my buddy Dale on the line. Hey, Dale. Hey, Ledger. What's going on? Not much, man. So I guess you've been doing this for a couple years now, but we've got uh, three leagues, each with 12 teams, mostly crypto folks in them, right? And uh, we've got you know, this whole bracket challenge. So whoever wins each league is going to go up against each other, the three champions, and then the number one champion takes it all home, right? How's the, what's the stru- that's how the structure is, right? Yeah, so there's three leagues, 12 teams, um, and then the winner of each league's, league gets 20% of the pot. And then so in week 15, which is the championship week, uh, the winner obviously will be determined that week, but then the following week, all three of the league winners will play set their lineup again, and then we combine the two-week scores, and the winner with the highest score in the last two weeks gets the remaining 40% of the pot. So we've done this with – we used to do this with Crypto Street. Uh, We've done it for two years, and there's been repeat teams, and we've always got new teams coming in, but kind of wanted to keep it going because I think as you can attest, the, the draft night is always the night before the league kicks off, and we all hop in discord and just kind of sit and shoot the breeze and talk smack to each other so it's it's a lot of fun and i think a lot of people look forward to that night so i kind of wanted to keep it going yeah man i've i've always enjoyed it i've gotten to know new people in crypto through these leagues and this gives us something else that's you know fun to pay attention to that's not uh you know crypto trading but it still has that competitive spirit. So we're running it back and uh each league has a sponsor but before we do that we got some cool sound effects for, you know, fantasy. You know, that's what it feels like when you've got those heavy crypto bags and you're just getting hammered with, you know, minus 10, minus 15%. So, oh, just feel that again. Uh, if not worse. Yeah. It might feel worse than that. Uh, but thankfully, not all is bad because each of these excellent leagues has its own sponsor. You can check out all of them if you just go to fantasystatus.com. Uh, we've got each sponsor listed there, but each league has a sponsor. Uh, let's see. We've got League One is the Dragon Chain League. League, you got that one for us, Dale? Yeah. So uh, that's the league I'm in. So check them out. They're Dragon Chain Blockchain Scaled. Uh, you can check them out at ledgerstatus.com/slash/blockchain. Heck yeah! And then uh, League Two is the Matcha League. Matcha's our new sponsor for the podcast. And you can go to ledgerstatus.com/slash/matcha to check it out. It's uh, probably the easiest way to trade DeFi stuff and they aggregate all the different swaps, especially in this world of sushi swaps, Uniswaps, all that. 
uh, to make it super easy to trade a whole bunch of DeFi assets. So thanks to Matcha for that. And then League 3 is the Stacked League. Go to letterstatus.com slash stacked. Our buddy Birch uh, started this company. It's fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is automated trading, so you don't have to pay attention to everything. You set up these baskets. Uh, you can even follow or copy people. You can do... Uh, you can do, you know, robo investing based on different categories like privacy coins or DeFi assets and stuff like that. So they've built a really awesome product. Go to ledgerstatuscom slash stacked for League Three sponsor details. All right, Dale, we just had week one of NFL football. Before we get into what happened last week, what we expect for the ne- this next week, how, how do you feel about having football in your life again? Oh man, I tell you what, it feels just absolutely great. I, I didn't normally. I'm, I, you know, I'm ramped up for the NFL after a couple of weeks of college football. But my uh, Iowa Hawkeyes, although again, just announced that the Big Ten is starting back up mid to end of October, so I'll get to watch them. But you know, you, normally I get a couple of weeks of pregame football for me. I can start with college. Uh, didn't get that this year, so I was a little rusty with the old football remote and flipping back and forth between <laughs> the games hadn't got my practice in on that but it just feels you know life going back to normal i don't care about the fans that doesn't bother me one bit yeah but it I, just feels great i thought the uh automated fans it was weird a little and it was a little weird but it was something i just got used to honestly i have not watched most sports but i've been looking forward to the football season uh, pretty much all year. I gave up all my news podcasts and just started listening to football podcasts. So if the football season got canceled, it would have really <laughs> made 2020 just go an extra notch of terrible. So I'm super pumped that the NFL seemed to figure it out. And it seems like week one went, you know, pretty, pretty cleanly. Like there wasn't, weren't too many issues. A lot of hammies, a lot of, a lot of hammies, a lot of hammies, couple ACLs, but, um, you know, the teams seem to have it pretty much together, right? Yeah, and it better on the injury front than I had thought. You know, no real big names um, with any season ending, I guess. Uh, Marlon Mack did have a Torres Achilles, but, you know, there's usually one or two of those. But I figured, and I, I know they had been practicing, but I figured there'd be a lot more. Uh, no preseason this year, but, you know, Michael Thomas kind of banged up. But other than that, it, it was pretty impressive. I know these you know, these athletes are just unreal and, you know, they're not quite on the level that you and I are ledger, but <laughs> as far as athleticism goes, but we're the, we're the peak of the human form. We are the cream of the crop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw fantasy pros is one of these websites and podcasts and stuff. They quote tweeted some guy uh, that had James Connor, Miles Sanders, Chris Godwin, Devonte Parker, and Michael Thomas on his team. So like, oh. those are pretty much the five biggest kind of injury yep. things heading into week one and, and week two. Um, mm. But overall, like you said, been, been a pretty clean start. And what we're going to do is go through each of our leagues, talk about things that uh, happened, kind of the scoring recap, and um, also just to preview you know some of the stuff that we're looking for going into week two some waiver wire stuff and we're just having fun for anybody i know you're you're here mostly for a crypto podcast but this is just a little fun and addendum to all the crypto stuff Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. uh you've uh we're taking a look here at league one uh league one is the dragon chain league and this is your league right yeah so this is the dragon chain league league one that i am in and uh, you know, like Ledger said, we're going to kind of highlight a couple of the high scoring teams, low scoring, and then some other stuff too. And it uh, looks like Team Slayers was out the league high score 
um, of of Dragon Chain League scored 143 points. You know they, you'll see some common threads going amongst these high scoring teams. In my opinion, uh, he had Calvin Ridley and Lamar Jackson were his high scorers. Uh, another noticeable team was Harles, uh, scored 128. He had Aaron Rodgers and DeAndre Hopkins. Going For off, anybody which, following along, this is one QB, but two flex is kind of the primary. Yep. Uh, that's really the only twist, right? Yeah, and then no kickers. Yeah, no kickers. So we don't respect Kick, the kicking game. But kickers are just bad for fantasy football. They're frustrating. You know how many times I've lost on a missed field goal? <laughs> yeah, it's the worst, man. The Some worst. kicker goes off and scores like 18 points, and yeah. you otherwise had a great week, but you lose. Yep, yep. So start of the week in, in League One was Harrell started Jamison Crowder, who got him 21 points. He was only started 9.5% of all ESPN leagues. Yeah, uh, that was Cash, who start. made a controversial pick on the draft. <laughs> he had the second overall pick, and he picked uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah. And the chat, the voice chat that night was just going off on him. Yeah, but, if you don't follow fantasy football, picking Russell Wilson in the second pick, great player, great player. Fantastic. From a fantasy strategy perspective, though, it's not the smartest. I don't. I don't know the crypto comparison, but it's like uh, it's kind of like buying Ripple above two dollars. I was going to say Zcash top. Also, <laughs> yeah. You know, shout out Cash too. But uh, I mean, it worked for him. He won a close battle over Wow Such Football, one hundred nineteen to one sixteen. And I, I, I will say, I made a comment the night of the draft. About five rounds later, I kind of thought about it and I said, you know. I'm not going to talk smack anymore about cash picking Russell Wilson with the second pick, because knowing how he trades, he's going to score 500,000 points this season. He'll and he's well out. on his way. He'll figure out a way to make it happen. Yep. Uh, any other league one highlights? Yeah. So Zanzibar, poor guy, only scored 83.64 points. He was the, the low score in league one, but he started Miles Sanders and Kenny Galladay who oh, were so both he wasn't paying attention. Out. So he was not paying attention, but I did do some quick roster adjustments in my head. Had he started two people that would have started and played, he still would have lost. So nice. And uh, we've already got some trade activity in League One, which is what I like to see. That's awesome. Big proponent of that. Harles traded uh, Jonathan Taylor and Keenan Allen to Toko for uh, Jerry Judy and Eckler. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. Moving around, not you know. Sometimes you see some no-name players get traded because someone's hyped on them. But these are two pretty and pretty big, big names going. And you, uh, Dale, you started off one and zero with a fifteen-point victory over uh, D's, who has a funny team name, CDs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, I had some eggs that got laid on my team, but overall, Zeke helped, Matt Ryan helped me, so. I was proud to get that victory. I was projected going into the Monday night games to lose by two points, which would have oh, so you pulled me, out of you pulled out a Monday sneaker. I did. I did. Nice. That's awesome. And yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, those are the best. I love those close ones. All right, so let's move on to League Two. This is the Matcha League. Go to lettersass.com slash matcha and see how awesome it is to trade DeFi assets there. Uh, this is Dynasty's league. Our buddy Crypto Dynasty is the the commish on this league, and uh, you probably got our main stats. Top scorer though was Team Can Crypto at Night. Our buddy from Boston scored one thirty three point six six. He was also rolling with Calvin Ridley, who put up twenty nine point four points. Man, I, I was honestly all these fantasy people in the off season were talking about 
Calvin Ridley's going to smash. And I just wanted him to score like two points in his first game so that, <laughs> you know, like fade the fade the hype of Calvin Ridley. But he is a good player, and he, 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 he balled out. Yep. I think Atlanta's going to ball out in general this year on offense. Mm-hmm. I'm well, big on Matt Ryan. I've got him in several leagues. Nice. And he's cheap, too. Yeah. Value play. A lot of the stuff in, in fantasy football is pretty similar to crypto or trading uh, uh-huh. where you're, you're looking for value. You're seeing, you know, where can you get uh, a lot where other folks are kind of not paying attention. So what other stats we got on this league? So, yeah, like you said, uh, another high scorer was an interesting name. Uh, scored 127.4 points. He had Zeke and Matty Ice also. So uh, start of the week, Prince, my man Prince, uh, he's been in it. Him and Crypto at Night have both been in it from the get-go. Prince started Raheem Mostert, who got who netted him 23.1 points. He was only started in 10.2% of all ESPN leagues. Wow. Uh, funny thing about this league is there were no close games. All of the victories were over 10 points. Yeah, they all smashed. All smashed them. Low score of the week was a quick dub, only scored 88.38 points. Is this Having the, the Vikes defense at negative three is never going to hurt the cause. <laughs> yeah. Or help the cause. Uh, is this the league where Prince's buddy drafted both Lamar Jackson and uh, yep. uh, what's his face? Holy crap! Uh, Patty Mahomes and Pat Mahomes in the. Yep. So I've got so few shares of Pat Mahomes, I just blanked on him. Uh, but yeah, so he drafted two two the two best quarterbacks, and somebody was trolling him, and then they were like, "Man, why'd you do that?" And he said, "So nobody else could have him." Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. So he's just gonna basically wasted a pick. You know, I mean, I'm sure he's he can trade him later. He wasted um, a high pick, but he's hoarding the highest scoring quarterbacks in the league. So, yeah, I think he went. Uh, I think they went for third and fourth round. I believe he had the turnaround on on the snake draft. So he just went took one and then took the other, which is insane. I mean, if it was two QB or super flex where you're starting two quarterbacks, I think it's a pretty interesting strategy if you yeah. are really good at finding like the deeper round quality players. Yep. Uh, but where it's only one quarterback, I mean, he needs to take advantage of that for a trade at some point to like lock down the season. Yep. And I think there was a, someone made that same play last year in my league and they had Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. They drafted them pretty sim- close together also. We shouldn't be surprised that Dynasty picked up Cam Newton, but he's kind of been my cheat code for when I'm looking for somebody late that I think can uh, do well is... I think Cam's going to be awesome on the Pats. I mean, he's a top five scoring quarterback every year. He plays all 16 yep. games and he was available in like the what? 10th round, 11th round most of the time. Yeah. And in my big league, you know, I have, I refer to big league, uh, another league I'm in often in our fantasy circle, but I took him Cam Newton and I think it was the 11th or 12th round. And, you know, now he's after week one, he's pushing a starter. Oh, heck yeah, man. He's, uh, he's going to be awesome. I'm a, I'm biased towards Cam because I went to Auburn and saw Cam live like five or six times that se- this season he played and won the national championship with Auburn. So, I mean, he's a monster. On the, like, dude looks like he he can go eye to eye with any defensive mm-hmm. lineman. So, yeah. Um, what well, was it at the, the night of the draft? I think Crypto at Night was saying that the NFL experts on a talk show were talking about if they could start an NFL team and could only have you know, the body type of one person at all position, who would it be? And the consensus was it would be Cam Newton. Yeah, man, no doubt. It's like, I mean, he's just a specimen, dude. Oh, he's a freak. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, one thing I want to talk on quick dubs, see your opinion. He started Odell Beckham Jr. And he scored 
eight points below his projection. He's kind of been a big turd here in the last uh, 10 games of his. What Do you own him in any leagues? I picked him up in uh, several best ball leagues where, if you don't know, best ball is you don't actually set your lineup every week, so it's just whoever scores the highest. I like OBJ. If I could have drafted him and redraft this year, I would have done it. Uh, it just didn't work out in terms of where I fell in the draft. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure that Baker Mayfield is good, but OBJ is still the top target there. And if he's unhappy enough that they trade him, I think wherever he goes, he has a good chance of being the wide receiver one there. I, th- oh, definitely. I still think he's elite, man. I just think he was a super value uh, in like what the fourth or fifth round where he was going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've got him in a six keeper dynasty league. So I've been riding the struggle bus with him for the last 10 games. But I think, you know, if he's not in, in happy in Cleveland, I think he's, where, like you said, wherever he goes, he's going to be a top dog and freakish athlete. So he's still got a lot in the tank. I'm worried with him that he could pull the Andrew Luck and just retire one year Do that out of the blue. That would be brutal. Uh, oh, it would be awful. Yeah, but he's only 27. And some of these receivers, you know, like Emmanuel Sanders is 33, still playing pretty well. But certainly until they're 30, for these guys that aren't giants, I mean, he's 5'11", 200 pounds. He, uh, I think he can be pretty good until he's 30, 31. And yeah. Especially in Dynasty, I think if you got somebody that's really frustrated with him on the Browns, like he could be a pickup. So, I agree. That's League 2. And then uh, we got League 3. This is the Stacked League. Go to com slash stacked and check out their automated trading strategies. This is my league, and uh, Dale, I pulled, I pulled one home. I, you know, we all faded tunes. Uh, our, our buddy, yeah. our buddy tunes. Uh, I took him by almost forty points on, you, on week you one. You smoked him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. It's funny that you say that this league got named the stacked league because there's three impressive scores between you, crutches, and fun face, all over 135 points, which you know is pretty outstanding and would be you know, aside from Slayer and, and my league would be the top score, top five scores in the league. So uh, going to be kind of fun to watch this league. You know, like, I, like you said, crutches was the overall uh, high score of all three leagues at 153. He had Aaron Rodgers and Adam Thielen, both were leading the way. And then ledger, you had uh 143.4 smoke tunes and Lamar and Alvin Kamara led the way for you. So that was uh pretty good, Good output on Team Ledger. You also had the start of the week in League Three with uh, Dallas Dallas Goddard. 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 Yeah. Goddard. Yeah, man. Twenty one point one points started in only fourteen point seven percent of the league. I had a I had like the best and the worst of tight end stuff going on uh, this week <laughs> because you know Goddard. I played him because Philly's wide receivers got all beat up yep. in training camp and. You know, there's the stuff with Ertz being in some contract talks, but either way, I figured Ertz was going to get all the coverage. And, you know, the receivers were all like rookies or guys that just didn't really show up well last year. So I went, I went with Goddard over Blake Jarwin, who was our other Achilles tear, uh, which is a bummer yep. because a lot of people thought Blake Jarwin was going to break out this year. So mm-hmm. I stuck him on my bench and Goddard was supposed to be my, you know, like backup in case, in case Jarwin you know, couldn't do it, that he'd be there for the rest of the year for, uh, you know, some in-between points. But uh, <laughs> poor Blake Jarwin out for the season, and God came through strong for me. Yeah, that was a great – and I love the 
it's fitting you had such an analysis like that because you're exactly the same way about your crypto bags. <laughs> you factor in everything that no one factors in. You know, I didn't even think of him in other leagues as, you know, realizing I knew some of their receivers were banged up. But the fact that uh, Ertz would be the main man that would be covered, you know, just solidifies my love for you, Ledger. Man, I've been I've been too obsessed with fantasy football this year. Like I had to I had to commit be commissioner in another crypto league just uh-huh. just so I could get a little more action for as many listening hours as I put in towards this stuff. <laughs> yeah, you've been hammering out these podcast fantasy podcasts and it's funny seeing your evolution from the first year of kind of dabbling to now you're just full f- you know, engulfed with fantasy football. It's great. It's, uh, you know, I, I really am terrible at doing things halfway. Mm-hmm. And my one consistent thing is, you know, we've got uh, this league, we've and I've got another crypto league, and we've got a dynasty crypto league that you were in the first year, and this yep. is the second year. I always need one person that I just root for all the way. So um, I, I, I reached a little bit, and then the second round got Lamar Jackson. So I've got Lamar and... Uh, all three of my primary leagues that I'm pretty excited about. So it's not, that's not like what all the analysts would say, but he's such a cheat code in this stuff that I went for it. You know, and he's, we'd mentioned it earlier. He's one of the top two scorers in the entire league. And, you know, he's only going to get better. He's got JK Dobbins with him this year. I think last year they lacked a little bit on the run game. So, you know, having that in his corner, you know, I say run game meaning running back because he can still yeah, run. But he had a thousand having yards just, in his own. Yeah, having just another weapon for him in J.K. Dobbins. And I'm I'm big on him um, overall, especially in Dynasty Leagues. But I think he's going to be a beast and having him and Lamar. And then, what's it, Marquise Brown? Oh, who yeah, is I love Hollywood Brown. Fast. I think he's going to be awesome this year, man. I do, too. I do, too. Uh, so... You stuck me in this league with my arch nemesis of fantasy football. Probably the, one of the only people out of this whole group that's paid more attention to fantasy football than me. Uh, our buddy crutches, and he showed up yeah. with the top score of the week. Uh, Rogers absolutely balled out. Yeah. Um, and what other thoughts or stats do we have out of League Three? Uh, that's about it. I, I was going to mention the big matchup between the two top scoring teams in in the league virtually, but you know, you have crutches this week. Um, you know, I'm not he overly huge on Aaron Rodgers. You know, I, he balled out last week, yeah, but I just don't think that you don't think the like the what like the revenge season thing is going to play out. Like, like I don't. I mean, I know he he's in year two of their new coach. What is it, Flores or Fleur or whatever his name is for the Packers? So there's you know there's some people saying that he's got a better grasp on the offense because last year he was not. Aaron Rodgers, you know, his regular self. Yeah. So he could have a good year. And I've got Devontae Adams in some other leagues. And he's probably my one player like your Lamar Jackson. I try and get Devontae Adams in every single league. Just so I have that one player when he scores, I know I'm getting the points. Yeah, absolutely, man. Devontae Adams, I mean, he could easily be this year's Michael Thomas. Just getting like, whatever, 150 catches or something crazy. I hope he is. Uh, yeah, so I'm playing crutches this week and let's move into a couple of like top waiver wire stuff because, you know, we saw a few trends. One, like you said, Marlon Mack out for the season. So Jonathan Taylor's value went way up. People were, who watch rookies were already hyped about him. Mm -hmm. Um, but his, his teammate was 
probably the most added player. If you check out Sleeper, like if you ever use a Sleeper app for fantasy, 650,000 users added Naheem Hines this week for Sleeper, and they say uh, Philip Rivers loves to throw to these running backs. He's who made Austin Eckler a beast the past couple of years. So Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor, probably the two biggest running back ads of the, of the week, right? Yeah, you know, with Marlon Mack getting out for this season, it's really going to be kind of a committee with those two. Like you said, uh, Philip Rivers loves throwing to his back. Look at Eckler and then Melvin Gordon for the years before that. So, I, you know, big on those two. Another one that I'm big on, and I know Crutches is not. I saw he said this earlier, but I like Malcolm Brown. I know that the, the Rams' backfield is crowded and they're going to be, um, you know, running back by committee, but I picked. I saw he was named the starter, so I picked him up on a Saturday in, in a different league. But um, and I'm really glad I did. He, you know, to me, he's a clear back. I think he had 18 carries last week, 79 yards and two scores. Yeah, you man. know, the, with with he these trios, he outplayed Acres big time. And I think, oh, hands down, I think Acres could be really good later. But I actually think uh, I think he was awesome. I I way overpaid for him on our waivers in this league. Actually, I picked him up. Um, when I dropped, who did I drop? I dropped Jordan Howard. Miami backfield just looks like it's going to be a three-headed disaster. So I paid 31 bucks mm-hmm. of fab for Malcolm Brown. So I'm hoping he shows out early in the year so I can use him as a steady flex because we've got these two flex players, so you can play four running backs in our league. So Game changer. Yeah, if I can yep. get him as a good RB4, I'm happy. Charlie Ponzi paid $140 for him in, in League 2, so... So my thirty-one wasn't too bad. Uh, we've got for those that don't know, we've yeah, we've got two hundred dollars blind blind budget for for waivers the first time. Another one I'm big on, and it's not because I'm a Bears fan, is Anthony Miller, um, receiver for the Bears. I just like him. You know, last year he was a rookie out of Memphis and saw the snaps, but didn't really see the the targets. And with the evolution of Mitch Trubisky, you know, maybe he is okay i don't know after last week i feel pretty good about his performance last week through three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and led them to victory but uh, i think he's going to get his targets you know alan robinson's in a contract dispute some say he might be on his way out of chicago they they apparently had rumors they apparently had a meeting today that went well and chicago's saying they want to keep him i saw that there must have been some. yeah i saw that before but regardless yeah he's gonna be kind of like that zach ertz when you know the receivers are banged up he's gonna get all the attention they don't really have a tight end that new rookie tight end from Notre Dame so that's another person I targeted like that's how Juju Smith-Schuster broke out back when Antonio Brown got all the attention like Juju just tore it up not that uh exactly not not that Chicago has a quarterback of uh Roethlisberger caliber much to your chagrin as a Chicago Bears fan All right, I'm going to give you my dark horse of the week. You ready for this? Dark horse of the week. I want it. And I have picked him up in every single league that he's available, which was most of them. Scotty Miller, receiver for the Bucks. I'm all over it with you, man. Okay. Um, you know, he had last week five catches, 73 yards. I saw Chris Godwin entered concussion protocol, so he's questionable now for Sunday. Um, Mike Evans, so, didn't, Mike Evans he, was basically a decoy this last week too, right? He had some kind of exactly. hamstring injury. And he reminds me a lot of Edelman and Wes Walker, and we all know how Brady loves throwing to his slot receivers. Brady loves those speedy little white boys. That's right. I'm I'm all in on Scott Miller. Scott yeah. E. Uh, I put him in my starting lineup for, I think, Dynasty. 
uh, our dynasty league this week, this upcoming week. This is early in the week, but it's like this is what I want to see happen. You know, uh, I think you could do yeah. awesome. My sleeper of the week is Joshua Kelly for the Chargers because yeah, I like that too. I uh, I think he's worth putting on the bench. You know, like I love Eckler, love him. Uh, and he got most of the carries. But Joshua Kelly had, let's see what it was, 12 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he could he could, he could could squeeze in there and fill the Melvin Gordon role. And, um, you know, the Chargers aren't going to throw to the running back as much this year. So Joshua Kelly is a little sneaky. I think I can get some flex points out of him. And to put that in context, in another league, I dropped Carrion Johnson for Kelly just because I think Carrion is going to be the odd man out with – Adrian Peterson being reliable and, yeah. uh, you know, they're going to put some, put some targets on Swift. And I think as much mm-hmm. as I love carry on another Auburn guy, uh, I'll say I your boy. Yeah. I just think he's not going to fit in in that, in that team very well, at least from a fantasy purposes. I think he'll be a great, like, you know, NFL player, but I, I don't think that that is very helpful for scoring fantasy points. Yeah. He's, he's going to be a role guy in my opinion with, with him, and we all know Adrian Peterson's not gonna be with the Lions forever. So, I, I doubt they're gonna part ways with Carrion. I think they'll still keep him around, but I think he's gonna see a limited role while uh, Adrian Peterson and DeAndre Swift are healthy. One more deep sleeper, if you, especially if you've got like a three wide receiver league or a lot of flexes, or you know maybe you've got Kenny Galladay and Michael Thomas, and all your receivers are banged up. Uh, somebody to look at would be Traquan Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. on the Saints. He's a beast of an athlete, and uh, a lot of people have been talking him up, and with Thomas out, he could uh, he could be that kind of secondary guy. Like, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be the wide receiver one any week Thomas is out, but I think Traquan yep. Smith could end up with the fantasy points. So, somebody I'm looking at. Do you have any fades of the week? You know, I'm, I'm just going to go with all of the Jets. Like, <laughs> just you know, Le'Veon Bell is out. Um what three weeks I think he got added to the IR. I saw Adam Gase was basically crying after the Jets lost because he put Le'Veon Bell back in. But, you know, I just they're just a complete and sorry, Whale and and Bobby, I know you guys are Jets huge believers. fans. The only one I like is Jamison Crowder. And he's the only one I'm rostering out of the whole crew. I suppose if you drafted Le'Veon Bell, you you're not releasing him. But just the whole Jets offense is a hot mess. Yeah, man, and I was excited about Denzel Mims, but I think he's either on IR or he's certainly out right now. So even some of their young guys are are not showing out right now. Uh, there's a, another backfield I put in that same category, which is Miami and Fade Miles mm-hmm. Gaskin. Despite you know him them saying he's gonna have a role, they've got Jordan Howard and Matt Breda aren't bad, and now you're adding Gaskin on top of that. So you've got yeah. three mediocre running backs on a mediocre team. I don't think any of it's going to work well. And he was the third most added player on sleeper. And then uh, maybe my more controversial fade of, I'd say fade of the year uh, from so far. And I think if James Conner is truly out for Pittsburgh, everybody's acting like Benny Snell's going to be the jam. Um, and he played well, like he played really well. Um, yep. And was it Monday night football? Yeah. Yep. He played well on Monday night football, but the missing element to me, and this is a combo fade Snell and uh, deep sleeper Anthony McFarland because he was in a concussion protocol. Otherwise, he oh. would he would have totally been in that rotation when Connor went out. And I think if Connor does go out, it'll end up a committee between Snell, McFarland, and every now and then uh, even uh, Jalen Samuels a little bit. 
Yep. I really like Anthony McFarland. Traded for him in Dynasty. He's a rookie out of Maryland, and he'll be active in the next game. Uh, so if Connor's out again, I don't think Snell's just going to get RB1 type numbers. No, I would agree with you there. And while we were talking here, I thought of another one that is going to kind of be controversial, but I'm fading Tom Brady. I think, uh, you know, I saw some highlights of his, and I just think he lost a step. And, you know, Bruce Arians, the head coach down at Tampa Bay, came out and kind of said, you know, this isn't the Patriots or whatever it was he said. So, you know, maybe some riffraff between the two of them, and they'll come out again and say, oh, no, it, it was meant to motivate this or that. And they'll make some excuse making it seem to the public eye that all good is down in Tampa Bay. But, uh, you know, he just – Tom Brady just looks like he lost a step. He overthrew some easy throws – under through some deep routes, um, which makes me mad because I have Mike Evans in quite a few leagues. So that was one reason I picked him early, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't know what to make of uh, Tampa Bay. I mean, Fournette went there too. We didn't talk about that. We could talk for an hour about fantasy football. We've already been talking for 30 minutes. So this is a a long addition to the podcast, but if everybody likes this, just let us know and we'll see uh, what we can do more. Dale and I can talk about football for quite a while. I'm sure. We could do a 10-hour podcast every week on fantasy football. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens down there in, in Tampa Bay. Do you have? Do you think uh, Fournette will take over as the primary running back there? Yeah, it's just a matter of time. I, I get the – you know, I, I used to coach baseball, and sometimes this is going to sound bad, and I don't mean it bad in any ways. Sometimes you just give players the rope, and for lack of a better word, you let them tie themselves up. And then that way, you know, you don't look as terrible as a coach. And I just think it's a matter of time before Ronald Jones, the third does something and then opens the door for net to take over. I mean, he's clearly the more talented back down in Tampa Bay. Didn't Ronald Jones take a lot of flack uh, before for not being a good pass blocker? Yeah. So he's a terrible pass, pass blocker and not a bad runner, but like you can't not protect Tom Brady, right? Like, that's right. They no. just paid him so much money uh, yep. to come finish his career. So Fournette's going to be the more like all around quality back despite his pot belly and whatever other meme pictures people found of him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's exactly right. I would agree completely. Nice. All right. Let's leave it there. Keep up with us week in week out as we update y'all on our three leagues. Thanks again to dragon chain, matcha and stacked for being our league sponsors of a fun little thing that we got going on the side. Follow at Fantasy Status on Twitter. Dale, i got to get you credentials so you can start posting on there with me. Uh, but I'm, I'm tweeting my thoughts every now and then just for kicks and giggles. Uh, we will catch you all next week. Bye.